don't know if you've ever noticed this, but moms are wired decidedly different than dads. Not convinced? Watch this. Isn't that demented? That a grown man's happiness depends on whether a nine-year-old catches a pop-up? I mean, what if he missed? But he didn't. But he could have. But he didn't. But he could have. But he didn't, Gil. <laughs> you threw him 12 million pop-ups in the backyard. You cut the odds considerably. But there's three of them, and you want to have four. And then the fourth one could be Larry. And they're going to do a lot of things. I mean, baseball's the least of it. And all those things, sometimes they're going to miss. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they will. Sometimes they, won't. Sometimes they will. Well, what do you want me to give you? Guarantees? These are kids, not appliances. Life is messy. I, I, I hate messy. It's, it's, it's so messy. You know, when I was 19, Grandpa took me on a roller coaster. Just interesting to me that a ride could make me so, so frightened, so scared, so sick, so, so excited, and, and so thrilled all together. Some didn't like it. They went on the merry-go-round. That just goes around. Nothing. I like the roller coaster. You get more out of it. Yes, life is like a roller coaster, which moms seem more able to handle in many instances than do us dads, because life can be frightening and scary and exciting and thrilling all at the same time. And many of the ways that mom are able to handle all the ups and downs of life's roller coasters can be seen in this. Hey. Why are you up so late, sweetie? Sorry, Dad. Got a lot of work to do here. Do you have any idea how many things Mom does when nobody sees? No, but I bet you're about to tell me. There are fairies who follow moms around everywhere they go. I was not aware of this. They keep track of all the things moms do, the things we see and we don't see. And wouldn't you believe it? The fairies kind of look like Uncle Bob. Really? I don't mean to typecast, but... Bob, you don't strike me as fairy material. Come sit, and I'll tell you all about it. Great. I want to hear more. Once upon a time, there was a fairy named Bob. You see, Bob the fairy sees when Mom goes to the 24-hour store. When someone forgets to mention she needs a costume made for the school play the next morning. And that someone's me. When no one is looking, Mom makes super special birthday cakes. My turn. Did you know that mom takes care of you even when she's sick? Mom sure is brave. Yeah. And when you forget your lunch, she even goes back to get it when she's running late. And at the end of the day, moms do some of their best work when no one is around to watch them. You know what? God sure blessed you when he gave you your mommy. Yes, he did, Dad. Now keep writing. We have a lot of work to do. Well, as the last note there said, thanks, Mom. We see all you do. And it's true. When you stop and you really observe all that our mothers do, you could literally wallpaper a room with post-it notes of each of those little things. And the reason moms are able to handle the ups and downs of life's frightening, scary, exciting, thrilling roller coaster rides so well comes down to this. It's right there in their name, Mom, M-O-M, standing for Maid of Mercy. And not just any mercy, 
but mercy on mercy, and standing for mavens of mercy or experts of mercy, as well as makers of mercy and motivators of mercy. Yes, mercy is a quality that God has placed mightily on moms. Now, in the early 1900s, there lived a young woman who was never a mother, and sadly, she died at age 33. She was a nun named Sister Festina. And during the long illness that led to her death, she had several visions of Jesus speaking to her about mercy. In one of the visions to her, Jesus said, My love and mercy knows no bounds because I am actually love and mercy itself. And because of these and many more other things that Sister Fasina heard from Jesus about his mercy, she's been recognized as a saint and with the title Apostle of Divine Mercy. You see, love and mercy do go hand in hand. And most of us, we kind of think of ourselves, don't we, to some degree in that way, of our being loving and merciful. And so let's each of us who aren't moms actually see how loving and merciful we really are in this quiz concerning our family. Here's question number one. When your spouse, child, sibling, or another family member gets some detail wrong when telling the story, do you, A, let it go knowing you've done the same thing before, or B, interrupt and correct them publicly. Now, remember, there's no cheating on this because God's watching. So just remember the letter, okay? A or B, record it in your mind. How about this, number two? When your spouse or when your sibling or when another family member or your child keeps making the same mistake over and over and over, do you A, graciously pray for them and forgive them, or B, become irritated and angry with them over and over again. A or B, record which of those in your mind. And here's question number three. When your spouse, child, sibling, or another family member does or says something out of character, do you A, assume that they have the best intentions in mind in doing so, or B, question their true motivation, thinking, what are they really trying to do? And so answer A and B in your mind. And so if you will, add up your A's and your B's, and here's the scoring system. If you got three A's, you got an A on the quiz. You're as merciful as a mom. If you got two A's and one B, you're more merciful than not. If you got one A and two B's, well, your mercy's a work in progress. And if you got three B's, you need to get a copy of today's sermon and go over it with God. Because... The fact is we know with Jesus, his love and mercy knows no bounds. Thus, love and mercy in him are closely linked. In fact, mercy can be defined for us as love in motion. Mercy is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Mercy is a behavior. Mercy is a choice. You choose to be merciful. And since God gave us mothers to be recipients of his love and mercy, let us on this day in their honor see if we can learn to set the bar of mercy a little bit higher in our lives, yours and mine, because mercy for us is love in motion. And whatever's true about love is also true about mercy. That's very helpful because, you know, in the Bible, there is a whole chapter that defines the real meaning of love because real love is very different from the kind of love we see in popular songs and on TV and in the movies these days. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in verses 4 through 8, in the New International Version, we read that love is patient, love is kind, 
Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, if you were to count them, there are 15 characteristics of love listed here. And what's interesting is, in light of what we're talking about today, is just how closely love and mercy are related. But look what happens if we replace love in these verses with the word mercy. Mercy is patient. Mercy is kind. Mercy does not envy. Mercy does not boast. Mercy is not proud. Mercy is not rude. Mercy is not self-seeking. Mercy is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Mercy does not delight in evil. Rejoices with the truth. Mercy always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Mercy never fails. Amazing how those characteristics, how they work both ways. But here's the thing, not only that, it's also interesting how closely related moms are to both love and mercy. Look what happens if we replace love in these verses with the word mom. Mom is patient. Mom is kind. Mom does not envy. Mom does not boast. Mom is not proud. Mom is not rude. Mom's not self-seeking. Mom is not easily angered. She keeps no record of wrongs. Mom does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Mom always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Mom never fails. So it's amazing how love, mercy, and moms, those characteristics are so closely related in the same way. And thus, in looking at this scripture, there are 15 characteristics of love, mercy, and moms. Pastor preparing to preach on love, one Mother's Day from this passage, which tempted to preach on all 15 of the characteristics, thought better to maybe ask his wife about which one she thought mothers would really most like to hear. In other words, what should this Mother's Day message be about, he asked her. And here's what she said. It should be under 20 minutes in short so moms can get on with joining their day. So in the spirit of what she said, let me show you just four ways that we can be producers, providers, promoters, and proponents of love and mercy, which is something our moms want for us and God wants for us. And the first one's from 1 Corinthians 13, 5, which tells us that love is not easily angered. But sadly, this has become a national pastime. Do you not agree? People are actually looking these days for somebody to get angry with. Somewhere somebody's probably angry with me for saying that. It's at epidemic proportions. And it's broken out politically, socially, personally. Congress is divided strictly down party lines. There's no give and take anymore. Rather, just hateful rhetoric and finger pointing. And then socially, if you don't agree with my cause, then you're a hate-filled bigot. That, about that, that's who you really are. And then personally, if you slow me down or you get in my way or if you don't give me what I want when I want it, then you're either incompetent, you're rude, or you're just an idiot. We live in a world where sadly becoming easily angered has become more the norm than it's become the exception. Of course, some anger is righteous. God gets angry at things like injustice and when people are unnecessarily hurt, and so should we. But the anger issued referred to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is usually anger that's more on the personal side. It's like, why are you so angry? And exactly how long do you intend to stay that angry? Because long personal anger 
usually turns into resentment and it turns into bitterness. And neither are things you want to be part of your personal nature. And when personal anger hits you, there's a couple of unhealthy ways that we sometimes respond. One is to explode like Mount Vesuvius and blow up like a maniac. Or you can go mute, go silent. You can clang up and just stuff it down internally into your shell. Thus you become either more like a skunk or more like a turtle. When a skunk gets upset, he lets everybody know because he stinks up the whole place. And when turtles, they get angry, they just pull back silently into their shells. And I've read often that skunk and turtle types tend to marry each other, which makes for a very challenging relationship, and neither is the way to go. Rather, God says, don't be easily angered. Dial back your threshold for anger. And that's one thing all mothers would love on this Mother's Day, for all their children to be not easily angered. Can you imagine the world that we would live in if every son and daughter, thus every person in the world, was not easily angered? What kind of world would that be? So become not easily angered. Do it for your mom, whether she's still with you here on earth or she's passed on. Become less easily angered. Do it for your mom, do it for yourself, and do it for, most importantly, for God, who first placed that love and that mercy in your mom to combat the world's anger and to combat the way that the world's turned out. Become less easily angered. Now, one way to do that we see in 1 Thessalonians 5.15 in the message, which tells us, look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Last week, I made an appointment to have routine oil change done in my car. took it back to the dealer where I purchased it. As I pull into the service bay, another car gets there just an instant before me. The young lady jumps out and Man, she's looking very stressed and kind of angry. And she says to the service rep, I just got a warning ticket for my taillight being out. And I had to take off work to get here, and I don't know what's the matter with it. And the guy who I had the appointment with asked her if she had an appointment. She said no. So he looks at me knowing that indeed I had one and kind of gives me a weak smile. And then he went and he checked out the taillight and said it could be fixed, to which she rather aggressively said, so how long is it going to take? Because I could get in trouble being off work and being here. And he very calmly said, well, just give me a minute. And much to her surprise and mine, he returned shortly with a cordless wrench, replacing the taillight in just a couple of minutes. And right there in the service line, without even writing her up. And then he sent her happily along her way. And although the woman wasn't the nicest or the most politest that he ran into that day, he looked for something there that wasn't on the surface. And in mercy, he didn't brush her aside. He didn't make her wait, but instead helped her right on the spot. And she left with this big smile on her face and a look of relief. And honestly, I was tempted to be a little bit angry when my service guy started waiting on her, who didn't have an appointment in front of me, who did. But the love and the mercy that he displayed towards her changed all that in her and in me. I saw her going from being a VDP to being a love child of God. Now, what's a VDP? was a very draining person. And very draining people we have to live with, work with, and be all around us. If you're sitting close to a VDP, don't look at them right now. But you know who they are. Some are difficult people who are irresponsible and they're really hard to work with. Some are demanding people who are pushy and always wanting to get their own way. And some are destructive people who are abusive and hurtful and manipulative. Some are disappointing people who break their promises and are sometimes disloyal, and you really can't depend on them. So how do you deal with these kinds of people? 
1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 7 in the NIV tells us this. We're to love them. Thus, love is patient. Love is kind. Love always hopes and always perseveres. And so, thus, we are to become more patient and more kind with very draining people. But again, how do we do that? Well, Proverbs 19.11 in the NIV tells us, a man's wisdom gives him patience. And here's the key. If you want to be patient with anyone, learn more about what it is that makes them tick. Unresolved hurts, fears, failures, disappointments can cause people to become very draining because they never feel satisfied or settled or at peace. Thus, if you heard it said, hurt people hurt people, it's true. Anytime someone hurts you, it's because they are hurting. And if you can learn anything about their hurt, then you're going to learn to be a lot more patient with them. Because truthfully, if you had their parents, or if you had to grow up like they did, you had to experience the hurts and the disappointments that they've had in their life, many of them through no fault of their own, then you would probably be a lot more like them too. When you understand where people are coming from and why they do what they do, you'll be a lot more patient with them. You're much more patient, aren't you, with a toddler? Because you understand them better than they understand themselves. And so you're able to be more patient with them. Proverbs 3.27 in the New Century Version says, Whenever you are able, do good to people who need help. And notice it doesn't say do good to people who deserve help. A lot of people may be in your family, you may have to work with or be around for some reason, but from how they have treated you, they don't deserve your patience and your kindness. But here's the thing. You're to give them what they need and not what they deserve, which is what God has done for you and me. God doesn't give us what we deserve. God gives you what you need, and that's called mercy. Isn't that what our mothers have modeled for us? Let's say you're driving down the road and you come upon this horrible car crash and you can tell who caused it, but you don't then just ignore the person who caused it while other people are hurt and just tend to them and forget about him who caused it who might also be injured and fail to do everything you can do to help them just because you think they don't deserve it. Jesus illustrates this with the Good Samaritan whose Samaritan people were at severe odds with Jesus' Jewish people. Even so, the Samaritan didn't fail to stop to help. In fact, he went out of his way to help the guy and even arranged for someone to help him after he had gone. Didn't Jesus say, Father, forgive them? Referring to those who were killing him while he was there on the cross. And they didn't deserve it either. But that's how God's mercy works. And his love and his kindness and his patience work as he extends it to us who don't deserve it either. Back in Proverbs 19.11 in the NIV, it says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. When you try to understand what makes someone tick, then you're better able to be patient, to extend mercy and kindness. And I love what else the scripture says. It also says it is to his glory to overlook an offense. And other versions of this verse say, They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. And they will be honored if they ignore insults. And their grandeur is to forgive and forget. This is to their credit. In fact, a little further down in this 22nd verse of this 19th chapter of Proverbs tells us this. Kindness makes a man attractive. It's also true of our mothers, isn't it? 
It's our mother's unwavering kindness and mercy and love that creates a bond between her and her kids. And it's why moms are so beautiful in their children's eyes and also in the eyes of everyone around them. A couple of weeks ago was the heralded NFL draft of college football players, the time when the best, the biggest, the baddest college football players are selected by NFL teams. And as most of these to be feared giants were sitting around waiting to hear their names called on their way to becoming millionaires, you know who they selected to sit right beside them? Almost without exception, it was their mothers. Certainly not because they needed supervision, but because they wanted to share their most life-changing moment with the most beautiful person in the world, most responsible for getting them there, and that was their mothers. You see, there is great beauty and great attractiveness in mother's love and kindness and patience. So to honor our moms, be slow to anger and also become more patient with VDPs, very draining people, by seeking to understand the background of what makes them tick. It makes you more attractive, I guarantee it, because it's right there in the Bible. And here's another thing our moms showed us about mercy and love from 1 Corinthians 13.5 in the NIV. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Heard a guy say one time, you know, I went home last night and my wife gave me an earful and she got historical. And the friend said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. She told me everything I had ever done wrong. <laughs> Love and mercy keep no record of wrong. So burn all records of wrongs. Don't repeat it, delete it. That means when someone hurts you, you don't rehearse it over and over and over again in your mind but he said this to me or she said that about me. Don't rehearse it over and over again. Don't keep bringing it back up. It's a relational weapon. Don't hold it over someone's head. Don't tell other people about it. That's gossip, not the gospel. You let it go. And when you hold on to a past hurt and you keep reacting to that past hurt, then you can't relate to the present. You certainly can't respond to the future. You're stuck in the past. So past hurts and offenses really hold you hostage. So for your mom on this Mother's Day, wherever she is, become less easily angered and become patient with very draining people, giving them what they need and not what they deserve. Burn any and all records of wrongs and also this, believe that God is working in others. Even if you don't see it, be it your spouse, your kids, your family members, your parents, you trust, you believe, faith, mercy, love, and grace all go together. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love always trusts. Not just trust other people, but trust God. Love always hopes. It's not hopeless. Love is always hope-filled. And love also perseveres through whatever arises. But how do you know if you were trusting God and your family? It's real simple. Do you pray for them? If you pray for your spouse, your kids, your siblings, your parents, and your other family members, you are trusting God for them. If you're not praying about them or for them, then you're not trusting God with them. Psalm 28, 2 in the NIV tells us, Hear my cry for mercy as I call for help, as I lift up your most holy place. You see, when you pray for others, you put them in God's most holy place. And that's God's plan for us all, by putting us in our mother's hands to learn about love 
and mercy and kindness that comes from and leads to God. And this is the very thing that comes through in a letter that Russell Wilson wrote to his mom that I want you to hear in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about him. Russell Wilson, he played college football, where in 2011, he set the all-time college passing efficiency record. Drafted in the NFL the next year, he tied Peyton Manning's record for the most touchdowns by a rookie and was named Rookie of the Year. The following year, he led the Seattle Seahawks to the Super Bowl, their first victory there. Following year, back to the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson has won more NFL games as quarterback in his first four seasons than any other quarterback in the history of the game. 2015, he signed a contract, picking the second highest player in the league at that time. And it was his mother that taught him about God's love and mercy and kindness. And today he's a very strong Christian, unafraid to publicly share his faith, which he said is the foundation of his life. And here is his letter written to his mom on this Mother's Day, 2017. When ESPN asked athletes to write a letter to their mothers, we knew the messages were going to be personal and extremely heartfelt. For Russell Wilson, who lost his father in 2010 from complications due to diabetes, his memories are of a strong mother who kept the family together even in the most difficult of times. In this, in honor of Mother's Day, Wilson shares the letter he wrote to his mother, Tammy. Dear Mama, happy Mother's Day. I want to thank you for always being there as a positive force in my life. You are the definition of the perfect woman, a giver, nurturer, caretaker, who exudes grace at all times, no matter what obstacles life throws at you. What a lucky, no, I should say blessed guy I am to have been born into this world to a woman as strong, generous, and loving as you. Thank you for teaching me to respect each day as the gift it is, to be live with unwavering faith, kindness, love, and perseverance. Thank you for the years of always putting our family first no matter how hard life got. I'll always love and admire you for how you cared for dad until the very end. I'll never know how you stayed strong even in the darkest and most trying times. I'm in awe of you, how you tirelessly worked long shifts, managed to drop us off and pick us up from school and practices, and you still had the emotional energy to return to the hospital to hold Dad's hand as he fell asleep at night. Your unconditional love and grace is a true gift from God. Thank you for being the strong beating heart for us when ours were weak, for being the pillar of grace to lean on when we could not stand and for being the elegant, noble woman behind raising this incredibly grateful man. I thank Jesus for you every day. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Love, one of your grateful three. Russell. What in the world? Hey. Hey, sweetie. Hey, thanks for coming. Thank you. A little surprise. Well, what is not surprising is how God's love, mercy, and kindness have remained with Russell throughout his life and will remain with him eternally. For you see, that exactly is God's plan. And that too is the focus of a song by Christian Stanfield called One Thing Remains. And if you remember earlier how interchangeable love was with mercy and then with moms in 1 Corinthians 13, then let me say the same thing can be true in this song. Obviously, it's written to God, but as you listen to its words... Think about how true it is about our mothers. One thing remains. Your love never fails. 
never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me and so very true of our mothers and of God who placed his love and his mercy and his kindness in our moms so that we could learn about these things up close and personal. Yes, God planted a seed in us, his love, his mercy, and kindness to remain with us growing ever stronger and deeper in this life with our moms here on earth and eternally with God in heaven. Thank God for all of our moms, and happy Mother's Day to you all. Will you pray with me? Good God, we just thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your kindness, your patience. It's just overwhelming. And it's really overwhelming, too, how you've placed those things in the hearts of our moms. Now they have demonstrated and shared them over and over and over tirelessly again and again as we're growing up. And once, Father, we're grown, it doesn't stop. Their hearts are still the same. Help all of us, Father, to appreciate just how incredible our moms are and how incredible your love is passed to us through them. So be with them, Father, and watch over them and care for them in every way. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.